Hi, Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. This sermon series is called Uncovering Religion. We live in a day where the world is saturated with contradictory faiths and beliefs. Can they all be right? Are they all wrong? As Christians, it is imperative that we understand something of what these religions teach and believe so that we can accurately discern right from wrong. The title of the sermon, obviously, as you can see here, Eckhart Tolle and the Church of Oprah. I've decided to cover this religion due to its rapid success and the strong influence which it has already had in the Christian church. It's amazing how much influence what Oprah has been doing has had uh, among Christians already. It's deceived many. Let's just pray. Lord, I just pray right now that you help me to deliver this sermon and deliver it faithfully without being too uh, critical of the man, Eckhart Tolle, because we know that demons use humans, Lord, and and deceive them and lead them along paths which will ultimately uh, result in eternal death. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will help me to unveil the teaching so that we can see clearly the deception. Hopefully this message might get into the hands of the right people as well. That would be changed and transformed and all brought back to Christ. Um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So speak through me now. Give me your anointing to do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I've expressed many times, we're living in days where the average person has a multitude of ways of perceiving life. Is that right? You know, everyone you talk to will have their own little viewpoint, their own little way of approaching life. As Christians, we are told that only Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Aren't we? It flies in the face of everything that the world is teaching today. You can believe in Buddha and still go to heaven. You can be a Muslim and still go to heaven. You can have a mix of New Age yoga and, and, and what have you and, and still go to heaven. As long as you're a good person. You know, that's what they're teaching today. And they call that postmodernism. There's no absolute truth. There's no one way, one path. You know, right from the outset of the New Testament church, Christians were persecuted for declaring salvation in Jesus alone. Do you know the church has never been favourable? You know, if you find a church that is favourable in the community, usually it's because they've compromised something. True Christianity has never been favourable. That's not to say we don't have revivals in communities and then, yes, the whole community becomes favourable towards Christians because that happens. But generally you'll find that when the true message or the true gospel is preached, it's not favourable. Richard Wombrand wrote that the Roman Empire was very tolerant towards religion. They gladly would have accepted Christ as one of the many gods in their pantheon, on the same footing as Diana, Mars, Apollo, and Mithra, and all the emperors. What led to the persecution of the first Christians was the insistence that Christ is the only way and that all others are false. When they came and said Jesus is the only way to salvation, a persecution broke out against them. That's what started the persecution, or one of the parts that started the Roman persecution of, of Christians. Today's world is no different. They will persecute anyone who claims that Christ is the only way and that all others are false. Who's been persecuted for even believing that? Just in you know arguments, people saying, how deceived you are to think that. How dare you yeah. think that? Yeah. You know, We've all had a fair share of that, haven't we? Yeah. Deception. Deception. Hang on, I think it might be a trap. And it's saying, come a little closer, like, come in a little bit closer. Yeah. So what is so disturbing about these modern New Age religions, which is really just a repackaged form of Hinduism, Buddhism? 
is that Christians are falling for the deception. Christians everywhere are starting to believe this stuff. Because modern or, or traditional Christianity just doesn't seem to fit any longer in their lives. Because they want to do so much more. They want to probably indulge in a lot more sinful activities than ever before. And so to be a Christian and, and to do what they want conflicts, doesn't it? It doesn't sit well with, with most people today. Christians today don't read the Bible. They're not discerning. That's why we find that 57% of evangelical Christians in America don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 57% of evangelical Christians, I've said this a few times before, evangelical Christians are supposed to be the real hot Christians, the real full-on Christians in America. Over half of them don't believe Jesus is the only way. So what they're saying is they're making up their mind that what I think is more convincing to me than what the Bible says. But the Bible is authoritative, isn't it? It is the ultimate authority in, in relation to salvation. Many Christians who have turned from Christ have decided that what they choose to believe and think is true and worthy of full acceptance, even if the Bible says the opposite. That's what I call arrogant faith. If you have enough faith to believe that your thoughts are greater than the Bible, that's arrogance. The Bible hasn't stuck around for so many thousands of years for no reason whatsoever. God has made sure that it stayed on the earth. You know, if the Bible was removed from the earth, it wouldn't be more than a hundred years before we'd, we'd just gone. The Bible is used in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. As long as the Holy Spirit's on the earth, there will be a Bible on the earth. This modern New Age consciousness basically has opened a doorway for every person to imagine, create, and believe whatever they want. And they say that they all lead to heaven, always lead to heaven, or whatever they believe happens in the afterlife. Because some of them don't even believe in heaven. They've got this another concept altogether of the afterlife. And again, it's just what they think up. It's not in stone. There's nothing written in the Word of God that, that backs up what they think. Eckhart Tolle is another of these New Age thinkers who has basically blended Eastern mysticism with the occult and drawn from the Bible enough material to lure in unsuspecting Christians and unbelievers and put forth a new doctrine called emerging consciousness. So he does quote a little bit of scripture, but always out of context and, and to mean what he wants it to mean. And unbeknown to Eckhart, Oprah Winfrey has grabbed this free-thinking, self-confessed hermit that's where he got all his thinking from, from being a hermit, not having any relationships with anyone. And has used his New Age thought to scramble the minds of Christians, unify world religions, and use him as a guru priest to bring in a one world religion as part of a Luciferian New World Order. But he is, is being used to introduce a one world religion in this world. He's one of the guru priests in relation to that. If you remember the Baha'i faith, who remembers the Baha'i faith? Yeah. Yep. The Baha'i is all about all religions are right. And, but anything that conflicts with the others is wrong, but they're all right at the same time. So it's a, it's a bit like this Eckhart Tolle character. As long as you find peace, you must be on the right path. You know, hey, people can get a drug and, and, and take a drug and lay down on a couch and find peace. It's temporary peace, but it's peace. Does that make it right? Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle has single-handedly pulled down the basic fundamental doctrines of Christianity and directed people into a belief system of salvation by self. 
salvation by self. You save yourself. This is a post someone posted on prolepticlife.com. On March 17, 2008, he said this about the book A New Earth. A New Earth is an attempt at self-salvation apart from Jesus. It's not a book about Jesus because Eckhart Tolle does not believe that Jesus is the unique Son of God and only Saviour. In Tolle's view, we are going to save ourselves and our world apart from Jesus Christ. To Tolle, Jesus was one of humanity's early flowers. He, like Buddha, Jesus like Buddha, Gautama, Siddhartha and Leo Zhu, was an awakened human who pointed to the possibility of awakening from the collective nightmare of normal human existence. Who's catching all that? No. Jesus was not unique as the Son of God. What Jesus discovered about himself is what is, or at least could be, possible for every human if they are awakened. So what they, he's saying is Jesus discovered what we all can discover. But Jesus is not the Son of God. He didn't come to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He just discovered something that we can all discover and, in a sense, gain a Christ consciousness and become God. And this, you, how many times have you heard this now? It sort of, it sort of seems to be the, th the thrust, and it's, it's Hinduism. It's a form of Hinduism, a form of Buddhism. So the rest of the post, I'd really encourage you to, to read it. It's really, really good. If you uh, Google the phrase Eckhart Tolle, who do you say that I am, you should get a top hit at Proleptic Life. Okay, I'm just going to show you a video, just a little bit about this, so you can get a sense of what this is all about. Please watch the video at www.mtlministries.com in the podcast section in the sermon series called Uncovering Religion, and the sermon is called Eckhart Tolle and the Church of Oprah. The following is just the audio of the video. Have you heard about the largest church in the world? The first service was March 3rd, 2008, with an attendance of over 300,000. The attendance is now over 2 million, and they conducted the first ever mass trance on March 17, 2008. What do they teach? Who you are requires no belief. Heaven is not a location, but refers to the inner realm of consciousness. The man on the cross is an archetypal image. He is every man and every woman. The leader's website teaches these lessons. My mind is part of God's. I am very holy. My holiness is my salvation. My salvation comes from me. Let me remember that there is no sin. Do not make the pathetic error of, quote, clinging to the old rugged cross, unquote. The only message of the crucifixion is that you can overcome the cross. Have you heard of this church? Or maybe its leader? Years ago, she denied Jesus is the only way. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live, That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a human and being, and, and many ways, no, many paths to what you call God. That and her path crazy. might be something else, and when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I mean, it could possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? And you say there isn't only one way. There is one way and only one way, and that is Jesus. There couldn't possibly be one way.
Today, she has turned her millions of adoring fans over to New Age doctrine. Christians are letting this into their homes and are being deceived. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to week number three of our New Earth web class. And again, I um, thank you. Eckhart Tolle thanks you for joining us as we bring students and seekers together to discuss our latest book club selection, Eckhart Tolle's We did something last week that was uh, unprecedented. We said never been done before on television where you just sit there in silence. I, I, and I thought a lot of people responded to the sense of connection from that. So you want to do that again? Yes. Let's do that again. Yes. Yeah. So you're going to lead us in silence. Okay. become aware that you are breathing. The air flows in and out and you feel yourself breathing. Air mm. flows in and out. Reading books such as Tolly's, I've really opened it's really opened my eyes up to a new way of thinking, a new form of spirituality that doesn't always align with the teachings of Christianity. So my question is to you, Oprah, how have you reconciled these spiritual teachings with your Christian belief? I've reconciled it because I was able to open my mind about the um, the absolute indescribable hugeness of that which we call God. Um, I took God out of the box because I grew up in the Baptist church and there were, you know, rules and, you know, belief systems and doctrines. And um, I happened to be um, sitting in church in my late 20s and I was going to this church where you had to get there at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning or you couldn't get a seat and a very uh, charismatic minister, and everybody was just, you know, into the sermon. And uh, this great uh, minister was preaching about how great God was and how omniscient and omnipresent and God is everything. And then he said, and the Lord thy God is a jealous God. And I was, you know, caught up in the rapture of that moment until he said jealous. And something struck me. And I was like, uh, I think about 27 or 28. I was thinking, God is all, God is omnipresent, God is all, and God's also jealous. Jealous, God is jealous of me. Um, and something about that didn't, didn't feel right in my spirit because I believe that God is love and that God is in all things. And so that's when the, the, the search for something more than doctrine. Uh, started to stir within me. And I love this quote that uh, Eckhart has. Uh, this is one of my favorite quotes in uh, chapter one, where he says, man made God in his own image. The eternal, the infinite, and unnameable was reduced to a mental idol that you had to believe in and worship as my God That's or our God. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the consciousness of which the world I saw all these things, everything was going up in flames. And this is on the film? In the film. Okay. And I suddenly found that oh, it was becoming more and more peaceful and, and present inside. There was intensity of aliveness, as if inside something was saying inside me, there is no death. There is, but that's interpretation. It's, so the entire universe is permeated by that 
consciousness by life, which is another word for God. God. Uh, I don't see God as an entity that has, is in a particular place somewhere, uh -huh. but as the essence, the, the intelligence, the animating life essence behind all life forms, the eternal. The totality. Yes. It's the totality. You see God. You're saying that God is, your idea of God, is the totality of the essence of all life forms. Yes, and ultimately... You are not separate. So you believe what happens to us at death when the body dies? You don't have a belief. I don't give it any thought. You don't. I know there is no death. You know there is no death. <laughs> there is no such thing as my life. And I don't have a life. I am life. I and life are one. It cannot be otherwise. So how can I lose my life? How can I lose something that I don't have in the first place? How can I lose something that I am? It is impossible. No, no. What is happening here is I just got it. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I got it. We are confusing um, the I am life force with our body. God, in the essence of all consciousness, isn't something to believe. God is. Yes. God is. And God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. And if, and if you're, that your religion is a believing experience, if God for you is still about a belief, then it's not truly God. There you go. Yeah, it's very confused. And they're all going ding, 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 you know, as if it's all like, yeah, but it's just absolute rubbish, total rubbish. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Eckhart, and I just searched it on Wikipedia because it sort of seems to have pretty good biographies on Wikipedia. Tolly, who lives in Vancouver, Canada, had an unhappy childhood in Germany and Spain. He was also depressed as an adult in England until he underwent, at age 29, what he called an inner transformation. He then spent several years in a state of deep bliss, wandering unemployed before becoming a spiritual teacher. Later, he moved to North America, where he began writing his first book, The Power of Now, which was published in 1997 and reached the New York Times bestseller list in 2000. He, five, I think, five million copies in one part of America, seven million in another, like huge amounts of people have lapped up this stuff, even in Australia as well. His early education, at the age of 19, he moved to England for three years, taught German and Spanish at London School of Language Studies. He was troubled by depression, anxiety and fear. He began searching for answers in his life. At age 22, he decided to pursue the search by studying philosophy, psychology and literature and enrolled in the University of London. After graduating with the highest marks in his class, so he's a pretty clever dude, he was offered a scholarship to do research at Cambridge University as a postgraduate student and he was admitted there in 1977. One night in 1977 at the age of 29, after having suffered from long periods of suicidal depression, Tolley says he experienced an inner transformation. That night he awakened from his sleep, suffering from feelings of depression that were almost unbearable. But then he experienced a life-changing epiphany. Recounting the experience, he says, I couldn't live with myself any longer, and in this a question arose without an answer. Who is the I that cannot live with the self? What is the self? I felt drawn into a void. I didn't know at the time that what really happened was the mind made self with its heaviness, its problems that lives 
between the unsatisfying past and the fearful future collapsed. It dissolved. The next morning I woke up and everything was so peaceful. The peace was there because there was no self. He had no self. Just a sense of presence or beingness. Just observing and watching. Tolley recalls going out for a walk in London the next morning and finding that everything was miraculous, deeply peaceful, even the traffic. The feeling continued and he began to feel a strong underlying sense of peace in any situation. For a period of about two years after this, he spent much of his time sitting in a state of deep bliss on park benches in Russell Square, central London, watching the world go by. He stayed with friends in a Buddhist monastery or otherwise slept rough on Hampstead Heath. His family thought him irresponsible, even insane. Tolley changed his first name from Ulrich to Eckhart, reportedly in homage to the German philosopher and mystic Meister Eckhart. That's just a quick bio about who he is. I'm just going to go through some various quotes from Eckhart, and I can tell you that I'm scratching the surface of all the lies and, and all the false doctrine that this guy is pushing. But Eckhart said, The truth is inseparable from who you are. Yes, you are the truth. If you look for it elsewhere, you will be deceived every time. You are the truth. Yeah, well, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he says, we are the truth. So if, if we don't look to Jesus as the truth but to ourselves, we are looking to ourselves as a God. And he's saying, if you look elsewhere, you're deceived. If you're not looking into self, you're deceived. So that's a total contradiction, stands in, in a complete opposite to what Jesus preaches, that we're to look to him as the Son of God. We are not the truth, for the truth is a person called Jesus, for he died for our sins so that we can be saved by faith in him and not by faith in self. Who do you know has the power to overcome death by themselves apart from Jesus? No one. We can't fight it off, can we? If it's going to come, it's going to come. We might stave it off, you know, by eating well and doing exercise and keeping fit, but eventually it will catch up with him. He also said, Dogmas, religious, political, scientific, arise out of erroneous beliefs that thought can encapsulate reality or truth. Dogmas are collective conceptual prisons, and the strange thing is that people love their prison cells because they give them a sense of security and a false sense of I know. But isn't he doing that very thing? And thinking up his own thoughts that encapsulate reality? Isn't he setting up his own dogmas? Yeah. Uh, isn't he setting up a religion with Oprah? She said she didn't want to be indoctrinated, but she is. But she is indoctrinated. So you can't help but, no matter what you believe, you're indoctrinated. Yeah, that's right. So he's trying to say, I'm not indoctrinated. I'm, I'm trying to release you from doctrine. But he releases you from that doctrine to believe his doctrine. Everyone believes a doctrine of some kind. That's all they're doing. This whole free thinking is rubbish. Because to believe in free thinking, you have to be indoctrinated to believe it. So he's made himself a conceptual prison of belief. He's got his own concept of belief that he teaches. Oprah sets up a religion, religion and she also sets up a political system, as it showed in that video clip. You know, using peace... Money. Yeah, and money and, and, and the whole thing. They sell their books. So it's a, it's a religious organisation now with a political structure. Mm. 
Yeah. You can see yeah. how they would suck people in. They're depressed. And... Well, in relation to Adolf Hitler, I watched an amazing video on it. You can view it on YouTube called Nazis, the Occult Conspiracy, 1998, a full-length documentary. Adolf Hitler religion that he set up prior to mm. beginning World War II. He set up a complete religious system, mm. just like these guys. He got the, rallied the German people, not just politically and, and through setting them free from the, because the country was going pretty bad before he stepped mm. into power, but he also rallied them to him spiritually. So they were calling him oh, Führer, Führer, as in Lord, like he was their Lord, the Messiah. Eckhart said, what is commonly called falling in love is in most cases an in intensification of egoic wanting and needing. You become addicted to another person or rather to your image of that person. It has nothing to do with true love, which contains no wanting whatsoever. So now he's trying to destroy the concept of love and falling in love, you know. Is he a Yeah, I'm pretty addicted to you. Well, I reckon this, these thoughts sound like someone who is a hermit and has been hurt a number of times in relationships. Yes. That's the sort of, you, you can hear that, can't you? If you've been hurt a few times, oh, no, we're falling in love, that's just... I'm, I wasn't really in love, I was addicted. And what about these thoughts of not wanting? These thoughts of not wanting sound so spiritual, but you know what? They are rubbish. Take food away from Eckhart for 40 days. Is he going to want? Take water away from him or any type of liquid for three days. Is he going to want? And what about if you take air away from him for 60 seconds? Is he going to want? It's not wanting that we've got to control because we all have our wants and our needs. and we, It's greed. That is what we have to control. And that's one of the elements of heaven, which is there's no greed in heaven. There's abundance and freedom and giving, like love to give, love to give. Do you want some of this? Have it, have it, have more. Actually, I have everything that's in here. <laughs> you know what it is? Because I, I was into this stuff before I became a Christian. When you read it, you sort of, you try to grasp it and it sort of makes sense. And so you just sort of go along with it. You think you sound so spiritual if you... You know, you read it and stuff because it sounds intellectually, you know. But but the but the thing is, is it's not. It's rubbish. It's total lies, total untruth. And you're going to find it in every facet of life. And that's why I'm doing these sermons is because I want to expose these things. So as soon as you hear it, it's like a warning bell will go off in your head. Yep, I know what this this guy's all about. I've heard this stuff before. It's <coughs> Eckhart said, death is a stripping away of all that is not you. The secret to life is to die before you die and find that there is no death. Sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? The way he dies, Didn't you really come to have dead. life and life more abundant? Exactly. Death is real. We all die. Every man and woman will die. Would you let your eternal life be guided by someone who makes such false and deliberately deceptive statements and find that there is no death? That's what he's saying, that there is no death. Okay. Oh, I'll shoot him. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. It's all fine when you're all sitting there, all in, in your beautiful homes with your beautiful couches, with, with all your comforts and heaps of food. You know, you go and say this stuff to people in these countries oh, where they're starving, there's death on, the, death on the street, you know. Everywhere you look, someone's dropping dead. It doesn't wash. It doesn't wash. Jesus said that when we give our life to him, we die to self, but live in Christ. We are living in and through Christ, and we do not have to fear death, for we are in him. 
We don't fear death. doesn't mean we don't face it, but we don't fear it because we're in him who is the life. When it comes to death, Eckhart, who is a self-professed ignoramus, remember on there he says, what happens in the afterlife? I don't give it any thought. But then he goes and makes a statement, there is no death. He doesn't know anything about death because he says, I don't think about it. How can you say you don't think about it and then state there is no death if you don't think about it? You know? Oh, that's right. If he, when you're at death's door, everything changes. That's right. This is what he's saying in this statement. Death is a stripping away of all that is not you. So things like emotions that control us and make us not live a full life, getting stripped away, and that's, that's like um, stripping away of death. But the Bible tells us that only in Christ can we be transformed as we allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us and we go through seasons of repentance and have these sinful natures cleansed. A sin is death, isn't it? Because if you're, if you're found full of sin when you, you're before Christ, you won't get into heaven. You've got to be cleansed of sin. And so in cleansing sin, you're cleansing away the death nature. But you can only do that through repentance in Christ. So you've got to humble yourself to be accepted by Christ. There's no humbleness in that statement. It's all self, self, self. I can do this. I can do this. And that's why, that, because they don't want to bow down to God. They want to believe they are gods and that I didn't need God to do any of this. If any, any good is in them, that's what they want to claim it for themselves. Romans 14.7 says, For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So our, we look to Jesus, who is the life. Does that make sense? The past gives you an identity and the future holds the promise of salvation of fulfillment in whatever form, both are illusions. Here we go with this illusion stuff again. The future does hold a promise of salvation, but only in Christ and his atonement sacrifice made on the cross. But here we go again, when salvation cannot be explained in Christ, suddenly they begin to dodge the topic altogether and state it's an illusion. If they can't explain salvation and they know there's only one salvation possible in, with mankind, and that's through Christ's atonement that he made on the cross for us. When they can't explain it, it's an illusion. That's why the Buddhists, they can't explain salvation. It's an illusion. Life is an illusion. Everything's an illusion. Who else was it? The Christian scientists. You know, sickness is an illusion. But if you're well, oh, well, that's not an illusion. <laughs> if you get well. But sickness is an illusion. Even the title of his book, The Power of Now, expresses the mindset of these New Age believers. They are only concerned with the now. The future is an illusion. So live in the now. Do not be concerned about the illusion of salvation. The attitude reminds me of when Paul quotes from Isaiah in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. He said, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Isn't that the, the attitude today is people just live for the now? Live for today. They don't care about tomorrow. I don't worry about if you die. You know, just let's just live. Let's go for it. Let's do what we want to do. Let's just indulge ourselves in everything that we could possibly can because, you know, life's short. You heard that? Life's short. Let's just get on with it. Let's just do crazy stuff. 
If you have no hope for salvation through Christ, live for today and do whatever you want. And that's why these guys like these sort of religions. Eckhart said, Love makes the world less worldly, less dense, more transparent to the divine dimension, the light of consciousness itself. Okay? <laughs> Here we go again with the New Age fluff talk. That's fluff. Mumbo-jumbo. Just throwing a few big words, super spiritual words, pack them all into a sentence. Doesn't really mean much. Sounds good. And it makes people go, what? Hang on, he must be really wise because I can't quite understand what he's saying. You know why I don't understand what he's saying? Because he doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's fluff. It's fluff. Intellectual garbage. He contradicts himself. His earlier statement about love in that falling in love is an intensification of egoic wanting and needing. Now love makes the world less worldly. So you can't discern true love because if you fall in love, it's, 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 you're addicted, yeah, you're not really in love. But then love makes the world less worldly. So hold on, for me to decide that Vina was to be my wife, I had to first fall in love with her. It's usually the way. But, yeah, normally, you know, the normal relationship thing, you fall in love and then you get married. Now, if I can't trust that falling in love, then I won't get married. So this is his... his well, it's like that. It's like actually not family's not even getting born <laughs> because you can't trust love anymore. You can't trust your senses of falling in love. Oh, I'm just addicted. So what it's doing is it's promoting breakups. It's promote, yeah. promoting, uh, promoting, you know, living on your own, not needing anyone because Eckhart's like that. Yeah. Eckhart doesn't have anyone. He was on the dole. He was having all the time alone in his apartment meditating. When we... Avina gave birth to Johnny and Tessa and Alicia, and I held those babies in my hand. I fell in love with them immediately. Did you, Bill? It's one of those things. You just hold them in your hand. You go, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. You fall in love with them. Yeah, and I was addicted to them too. <laughs> but And I love them. But love, I, was love, I was in love with them. I was addicted to them. I just wanted to spend all my time kissing them, you know. It's a miracle of God. Yeah. The Beatles sang the song, All We Need Is Love. Mm. Great statement, but the reality is that as long as Satan runs the show, there will not be love that makes the world less worldly and we will not have world peace, despite what all the beauty pageants hope for. <laughs> world peace. <laughs> Don't you think the song would have been better, All We Need Is Christ? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Matthew 10:34 Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You know why he says that? This world is a testing ground, and those that come to know Jesus will will be divided from those that don't come to know Jesus. So he didn't come to bring peace. He came to test us. Test us in our love for him. If we pass the test and stay in love with him, we get eternal life. If we reject him and, and, and don't love him and, and follow these Eckhart Tolles in the world, then we lose salvation. That's why he said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Because a sword divides. Because he said I came to bring division as well. Somewhere. Yes, he did. Yeah, To bring division between a mother and a daughter, and a father and his son, you know. Not meaning in a, fam- a Christian family that division shouldn't be there. 
But what that means is if your dad doesn't believe in Jesus and you do, there's going to be a division. There's going to be a sword between you. And I've seen it. I've seen it, yeah. We are not called to preach peace. We're called to preach the gospel. The gospel divides the believer from the unbeliever. It gives peace to those who take up their cross and follow Jesus, but it's condemnation of those who reject him as well as those who don't take up their cross. Christians that don't take up their cross are not prepared to suffer for Jesus, not prepared to lay their life down for Jesus, can't accept the true gospel. So when the true gospel is preached, they run. And then they go to Eckhart Tolle, oh, this sounds right. That works with me and my itching ears. That's what I want to hear. What about this one? Time isn't precious at all because it's an illusion. Okay? Spiritual mumbo-jumbo. We live in an age governed by time, do we not? That's why we have clocks on the wall. It's fine for Eckhart to have written such dribble when he was obviously not working. Hermiting on the dole and meditating all day in his apartment, it's fine, no sense of time. I've been there. You know, when I was 21, I had no sense of time. I had all the time in the world. There is no time. It's an illusion. Well, I, I didn't notice. That. Was he wearing the watch? I didn't notice. But next time we, yeah. we will watch and, and look for the watch. But I believe that now he would be very conscious of time. Now that he's running from meeting and interview each day, you know, under the restraints of time. Time is a creation of God. As long as we live in this world, time is a reality and not an illusion. It's crazy. This is false teaching. The eternal present is the space within which your whole life unfolds. The one factor that remains constant, life is now. There was never a time when your life was not now, nor will there ever be. Right? Because we only ever know the now. We can't step into the future except by being in the now. We carry it in the future. They think that's so spiritual. Oh, wow, that's clever. Because you know what? They've been saying that since the 60s and the 70s. All the rock musicians used to say it from stage and they used to think they're so clever because they have these revelations while on drugs. That we're always in the now. Oh, really? It's not a big deal. Actually, Eckhart, he said here, there was never a time when your life was not now. Actually, Eckhart, there was a time when your life was not now and that was the thousands of years before you were born. You weren't even in existence. You were just a... a, a, a an idea of God who was about to create you. Life is now, but what about your afterlife when the eternal now is a burning hell because of a rejection of Christ and for believing what your own deceptive, demonically inspired thoughts and imaginations tell you because he's just believing what he thinks. You know what? It's so easy to think up this sort of stuff. I did it. There was a time when I used to write this spiritual mumbo-jumbo. I've got books of them, books, piles. I go through and I read it, and I can't read it anymore. I look at, oh man, what was I thinking? File. <laughs> Before I really understood the Bible and understood yeah. Christianity, neither failure nor success has the power to change your inner state of being. Hmm. It's a clever, spiritually sounding statement, but it's a lie, not reality. Failure and success does change a person's inner state of being. Right? Many a person will find themselves very much changed by failure. Yeah. Well, you can get depressed. You can uh, enter into bitterness. Some people try a business, go really, really bad, and they're bitter for the rest of their life. But others change with determination. I'm going to 
do it even better this time. And that's why they say millionaires usually fail two or three times in business before they get one success. But the fact is we are changed, whether good or bad, we are changed by success and, and failure. Actually, finding Christ and following him, shouldering the cross will change our inner state of being dramatically. We'll become new creatures in Christ. So everything, actually everything in life, every day you get changed. You know, you, you watch things on the news and you get, someone says something to you. and So you're changing, we're changing, evolving creatures. Now, I don't believe in evolution, from a, but I believe in evolution once creation has been set, the world has evolved, hasn't it? It's the only part of that theory which is true. To stay present in everyday life, it helps to be deeply rooted within yourself. Otherwise, the mind, which has incredible momentum, will drag you along like a wild river. This is a very egocentric, self-God religion, self-centered, so inward, rooted in yourself. But the Bible says in Colossians 2.6, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. We've got to be rooted in Christ, not in self. You know, can a plant be rooted into a, itself? Will it live? No, the plant's got to be rooted into the soil, soil of life. And the soil is representative of God, Jesus. The plant rooted in there will live, as long as it's good soil. When you surrender to what is and, and so become fully present, the past ceases to have any power. You do not need it anymore. Presence is the key. Now is the key. Did you get that? Surrendering to what is? Have you ever surrendered to what is? You know what that means? It's nearly surrendering to circumstances. You know, just whatever happens, you just surrender to it. But that's not what, as Christians, we're not supposed to surrender what is. Paul tells us the mindset of surrendering to Christ. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Surrendered in Christ. Crucified with him. When he was crucified, I was up there with him as a Christian. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. You live by faith in him, not faith in self. You can either surrender to what is and never even know what really what is is because it is a figment of Tolu's imagination. It's not the truth. Or you can surrender to the truth of Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and live for him and build your spiritual temple upon the word of God. Build it on the word of God and not on a lie of a single man, totally. When it comes down to it, Christians have to decide, when you face death, what will you rest your eternal soul upon? The words of Eckhart Tolle or the word of God? The Bible has stood the test of time and it's always on every count, has only been rejected by those who have misinterpreted it. It's only been rejected through misinterpretation, usually out of fear, anger, hatred. They misinterpret the scriptures. Bitterness. You know, they feel God didn't come through for them, so they reject God. I didn't get all the money that I was promised by prosperity preachers, so I reject God. But when they were... When they came to know Jesus because of that, they didn't bother reading the scriptures to find out, is that the true gospel message? I've heard all these sort of preachers, but uh, I spent time in the word of God to find out what does it actually say? 
And when you find out what it says, you can't believe everyone that comes along and expresses their opinion. It's always at a misinterpretation that people reject Christ and the church. I hope, I hope that has helped you grasp what Eckhart Tolle is all about. There's a lot more too, like I said, if you research it, there's some really good websites as well. Um, we need to pray for Eckhart and Oprah. We do. They're people all the same just because they're big-time celebrities, or especially Oprah is, and also for the millions of fans that are getting sucked away. So let's just pray. Lord, I just lift up Eckhart to you and, and uh, Oprah, and I know Eckhart is searching, Lord, and um, but he, he believes he's found the truth, but he's, from his words, it's clear as day. He's been deceived, and he's in the process he's rejected you, and he's turned to himself for salvation. And Lord, help him. Help him to see his need of you. Whatever it takes, Lord, direct his life so that he will find the narrow road that leads to life and illuminate him from, from the deception that he's had uh, over him all this time. And I pray that out of that he will reject what he has written and, and reveal the truth in Christ. And I pray that also for Oprah, that she will come back to her traditional faith that, uh, that she believed at first. And rather than reject you because of God being a jealous God, Lord, that she'll look into what that actually really does mean. He loves us so much. He's jealous for us. He cares for us. And Lord, it's, it's, it's a natural function. But with God, it's not like it is with a human. It's a very different type of jealousy. And I pray that she'll look into that rather than just reject God altogether. And we pray for those millions of fans, the believers and the unbelievers, uh, the, those that were Christian and those that aren't Christian. I pray that somehow, Lord, you will turn them all to the truth and you'll bring them back into your kingdom. Bring them back into a knowledge and understanding of salvation in Christ alone. Yes. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. A couple of things. In two weeks' time, I'll be doing a very important sermon upon the coming. Not in two weeks, actually. It's in one week. Next week. Uh, be doing a very important sermon upon the coming judgment of believers and non-believers. According to Scripture, we will all have to stand before God and Christ and be judged according to the deeds done while in the body. Every one of us individually will have to stand before God and given an account. So as, as your pastor, I intend to prepare you for that day so that all of us can make better life decisions now. All of us, because no matter how old we are, we have to make better life decisions, don't we? Now that we claim to be believers in Christ, we must walk as believers in Christ. And so this is very important stuff. And we want to know that we can ensure ourselves a better salvation. Because there's those that get in there, they get in the heaven, but they feel so much remorse because they wasted their life in Christ. I want to be good to go there and and Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. I want to I hear those words come out of my Lord's mouth. So that's what we should be aiming for. And uh, so next week's sermon is on that. In two weeks' time, we're, we're having a special Uncovering Religion sermon by the great Matthew Medley. Another author. Another one. He's like an Eckhart Tolle, a little bit dodgy. <laughs> And so anyway, I'll just tell you briefly about Judaism. It's a religion, uh, philosophy and way of life of the Jewish people originating in the Hebrew Bible, also known as the Tanakh. And explored in later texts such as the Talmud, it is considered by Jews to be the expression of the covenantal relationship God developed with the children of Israel.
So Matthew's going to get that ready for us in two weeks' time, and he's going to have the floor. So.
Jesus, I was a uh, terrible shopping for death yesterday. Uh, I've seen on television and on fishing lines. I've now caught and uh, what you've done for us and what a good death you suffered. Mm. And, um, but uh, at the end of the movie, he was like, uh, just rose up. We have that image in our minds now of the uh, what we just saw the blood when the soldier pierced your side, Lord, and the blood just spilled out upon him, upon Mary and John. Lord, we know that we were able to wash in that blood mm. because of what you did for us, Lord, and we are eternally grateful. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Good work. Okay, I'll just 